0: Hello everyone, I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlan, and this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older folks howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older.
1: So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us.
0: In this episode, the old dogs ramble about what makes people tweet, post or otherwise engage in social media. We ask the question everyone wants to know, what the heck is bruxism? We announce the delivery of a postcard sent a century ago. We acquaint you with the King of Sting and we question the advisability of see-through toilets. The old dog's conversation is with Tecla Murphy, a lady who found herself with time on her hands so she started publishing a very popular magazine for seniors. Stay with us. Well, Paul, what's on your mind today?
1: Oh, what's on my mind is social media, Jim. Uh huh. It's always in the news, uh, particularly since our president spends so much time on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I really don't have a big social media presence. It's something I don't want to devote a lot of my life to. And I don't know what your situation is, but.
0: Uh, you know, Paul, what has kind of prompted. My question to you is the title of this episode, which is Any Twit Can Tweet on Twitter. And and, isn't that true? Yeah. So why did you come up? That was your title, and I think it's very funny.
1: Um, because I, I think that if you reduce what you have to say to three sentences, in most cases, it's not going to be valuable information. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I think that was what was behind that. Now you don't you don't have a presence on on uh, Twitter, <laughs> do you?
0: Well, I do spend a fair amount of time every day on social media. My preferred platform is Facebook. I found it a very rewarding way to find out what was happening with people that I don't see often or can't see because of distance, uh, other places in the country. You don't think it's uh, uh, too time-consuming? Not at all. It's part of my life. It's something that I appreciate that otherwise I wouldn't have access to.
1: So how many friends do you have?
0: On Facebook, about 500.
1: Wow. Okay. So it it does sound like there's a certain burden involved. You (laughs) are... Shown glimpses of people's lives that you would normally not stay in touch with. Yeah. Okay. Now, you don't, yeah, you don't so, think this is an information overload? Nah. Yeah. No, I'll yeah. tell you,
0: that part of it, Paul, is not. I think what is information overload is when people have a hobby horse, and they, they ride it, and they ride it every day, uh, so that you get overloaded with their opinions— And opinions can get overwhelming. Okay, so how do you
1: filter those out?
0: I glance at them. Of course, I share lots of people's opinions. But I just feel like, wow, especially in this uh, critical election year, uh, it is unavoidable. People want to voice their opinions, and I think that they should. But a venue like Facebook has become kind of a multi-purpose vehicle Uh, One aspect of it is to share your life uh, and your good times. Another of it seems to be to share your food. And a third is to share your opinions. Well, not not really share your food.
1: (laughs) You're just saying, what a great meal I had. Don't you wish you had a great meal? Well, in a sense, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I have a Facebook site. Yeah. I read posts from other people that I want to read their posts, but I don't post information. It's For me, it's a question of why am I sharing the mundane things I do in life with other people? And I would ask the same question of you, Paul. <laughs> why and, am I sharing? Why
0: shouldn't you be less mundane?
1: That's a whole nother ramble, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> These are teeth-grinding and jaw-clenching times, which can wear on your patience and your teeth. This pod nugget is courtesy of the Washington Post for September 12, 2020. There's no
0: official data to make a connection between teeth grinding and the current pandemic. However, some dentists have seen a rise in tooth grinding and jaw clenching over the
1: last few months. The technical name for this grating problem is bruxism. There are plenty of studies that link bruxism to stress, anxiety, and depression. And these are certainly stressful times. If the grinding becomes more powerful and frequent, it can lead to damage to teeth and fillings.
0: Now, there are two forms of bruxism, daytime and nighttime. That pretty much covers it. Did not know it. it. The daytime form can benefit from relaxation and mindfulness exercises. Since the habit is unconscious behavior, you need to become aware of when you are grinding away. You can control it with relaxation exercises if you are willing to put in the time and effort.
1: For nighttime bruxism, dentists recommend a mouth guard. This should be a custom-made device, not the cheap ones you can pick up in a drugstore. Now, this isn't a cure, and it may not work for everyone, but it does help distribute the force of clenching over several teeth.
0: At any rate, don't let concerns over bruxism lead to more teeth grinding and jaw clenching. It's a problem for a relatively small percentage of adults. But in keeping with our policy of bringing up obscure medical issues, we thought it would give you something to chew on.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: We all have stories about problems with the male but at least it arrives in the same century. This item is from the Washington Post for September 12, 2020.
1: Brittany Keach from Belding, Michigan, was sorting through her junk mail earlier this week when an old and tattered postcard caught her eye. The address was right, but the postage was way wrong. It mm-hmm. had a one-cent stamp, and the postmark was October 29, 1920.
0: The card was addressed to a Roy McQueen, and the message read, Dear Cousins, We are quite well, but Mother has awfully lame knees. It's awfully cold here. The message ends with an intriguing question about whether Roy got his pants
1: fixed, and it's signed by a Flossie Burgess. So, how did this ancient postcard resurface? Mm. Well, a postal employee suggested two possibilities. It was discovered behind furniture or equipment in an older post office that was being renovated. Another possibility is that old postcards are sometimes purchased at a flea market and then re entered into (laughs) the system. What a prank.
0: Huh. I'd like to think that it was the result of the deep post office conspiracy to delay mail that involved three generations of mail carriers. Don't you, Paul? Well, at any rate, Keach posted the century-old postcard on Facebook, and a couple of amateur genealogists took up the challenge of learning more about the families involved.
1: Using census records, death records, and marriage records, the two history detectives were able to assemble a small family tree. This led to contact with the grandniece of the couple who were supposed to have received the postcard initially. The cousins are very interested in reclaiming the postcard. However, they were unable to shed any light on whether (laughs) Roy got his pants fixed and what exactly needed fixing. Perhaps some mysteries should remain unsolved.
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm curious. Nathaniel Peterson has become famous and rich by allowing himself to be stung by poisonous insects while millions watched on YouTube. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for September 13, 2020.
1: Peterson launched his YouTube channel called Brave Wilderness in 2014. His shows have a simple formula. Against the tropical background accompanied by suspenseful music, he gets stung and writhes in pain. He includes some information about the offending insect and ends with a close-up of the stinger sinking into his flesh. His
0: co-stars have villainous nicknames like the Bloodworm, the Murder Hornet, and the Executioner Wasp. One of his more successful videos, titled Stung by a Bullet Ant, had 50 million viewers. It's apparent that one man's pain is another man's pleasure.
1: He says by including information on the insects, he combines entertainment and education for his targeted audience of young people 5 to 15. No matter how intense the pain, he never uses profanity. Another concession to his young audience, and each video contains a warning. Never approach or attempt to handle wildlife on your own. I guess he's hoping that his viewers will do what he says rather than do what he does.
0: This year, Peterson got his own TV show on Discovery Channel's Animal Planet. This crossover from YouTube to cable programming is rare, but unfortunately his show was not renewed after the run ended in April. That must have stung. (laughs) This may have been disappointing, but his YouTube show is still immensely popular.
1: His show has 17.5 million subscribers and ranks in the top 1% of YouTube channels. Now, in that marketplace, viewers attract advertising dollars. It's estimated that he earns as much as $294,000 a month from online ads. Now, this should also take the sting out of being canceled Mm -hmm. on Animal Planet.
0: Paul, we are in the wrong racket.
1: Absolutely. What do you say you and I take turns getting hit by cars? Okay. Then we videotape you first.
0: Yeah, okay. Is the world ready for a see-through public toilet?
1: Interesting question, Hmm. Jim.
0: Well, folks in Japan are waiting to see. This pod nugget is from Sky News for August 19th, 2020.
1: Once more, the Japanese are on the cutting edge of uh, something. A couple of see-through toilets have recently (laughs) opened in Tokyo in a commercial part of the city renowned for its shopping and nightlife.
0: The toilets use smart glass, which is transparent when unoccupied. Someone hoping to use the facility can look inside to check for cleanliness. The glass turns opaque when in use, so people on the outside will know they have to wait their turn.
1: Apparently, use of public toilets in Japan is limited because folks think they are dark and dirty. Authorities believe the new toilets will be successful because people can check it out before entering. Uh, there is a small problem users inside can't tell if the glass is <laughs> opaque or not. It feels like you are on display, which of course could attract the wrong kind of a client. <laughs>
0: When her kids grew up and left home, Tecla Murphy wondered what she'd like to do with her time. After trying a bit of this and a bit of that, she hit on the idea of starting a magazine. Now, you might think this is not an opportune time to publish a magazine, but Tecla explains how she made Outlook by the Bay a success by appealing to seniors.
1: Can you fill us in just briefly your life before you started the magazine?
2: I was, of course, a housewife and mother for the first, whatever, 50 or 60 years. And then once everyone moved on, um, then I needed something else to do. And um, I was involved in many things. And at one point, I was hiking too much and I hurt my foot and I had to get off my foot. So I thought, now what am I going to do? Hmm. So I decided to start a magazine
1: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes,
2: yes
1: it does. <laughs> so if you had heard a different body part, you would be doing something else? Probably,
2: probably. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair.
1: Well, t- tell us about what possessed you to start this magazine.
2: You know, so many people are retiring early now, like 55-ish. And uh, what's next? We have all this time ahead of us. We're not all going to check it out at uh, age 60. So what do we do next? So this magazine tries to answer that question of this is what you can do. This is what's available. You need to know this. You need to know that.
1: You have nice, succinct answers. You're a good editor.
2: (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You started this magazine specifically for people who are of retirement age. Uh, What has been the reception?
2: It's wildly popular. And um, when people can't find it, they will call us. How do I get a copy? It is also available online, which I guess most people aren't aware of. All past issues are available online. All I think it's 14 years now of issues are online, outlookbythebay.com.
1: Yeah, that's what we have accessed. That's very nice and very generous of you to put that on there. For somebody that isn't familiar with your magazine, how would you describe it?
2: It covers anything of interest to people of of an advanced age, advanced over 55. We cover nutrition. We cover entertainment. We cover things to do, places to see. Um, There are various courses at all the colleges that are offered to seniors at at substantial discounts or free. Um, It's huge what goes on out there. And what surprises us always is how little people know. That uh, these services are out there and available to them, so that we try to keep them informed.
1: Yeah, and, and going through some of the issues, everyone has some nuggets about a resource. Have you ever yeah. combined them together in some kind of a a senior guide or?
2: No, and that's a wonderful thought. And um, we could possibly do that. At one point, we started pulling out articles that were worth reprinting and put to put them all in one book together. But we haven't advanced very far with that.
1: I also noticed that you have a social media presence. Now, that's something Jim and I are wrestling with. How how did you decide where to go and, and what to
2: provide? We're not very sophisticated with social media. We do have the Outlook by the Bay page, but it, where it's not a good source yet. That's going to take some learning. Just like this, just like what you're saying, you'd love to do it. It just it's a learning curve. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting so old, and it's hard. It's not that easy to learn a whole bunch of new tricks. And it's how do you want to spend your time?
1: That's what grandchildren right. are for. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is something actually that we have found as well that um, people our age are loath to adopt new ideas, especially if they're technological in design. But you publish this magazine in actual print,
2: yes, right? Yes, So For me, it's actually easier to do it in print than it is to start <laughs> doing too much more online. I have someone else drop it in online, and they're professional, and they know what they're doing. But uh, I haven't gone much further than that. But the, you have many,
0: many, many contributors to this magazine and many regular writers, uh, columnists, and so on. How did you yeah. recruit all these people to do all of this work for you?
2: Interestingly enough, most of them came to me. I didn't recruit. Um, Dear Vicki, the, the last um, article in the magazine um, came to us. I, I had Put the word out that I needed someone with letters after their name, so that we could do a Dear Abby type column. Mm-hmm. And Vicky said, "Hmm, I'm your girl." Mm-hmm. And Vicky does have letters after her name. Then um, Hank came. Hank Hank was a friend. He does the last um, page outlook for the Bay. He's uh, has quite an extensive background in um, environmental issues, and he teaches at Georgetown. And he came to us and said, "Why don't you let me do a column?" So. Fabulous. And uh, we've got a lawyer on board, we've got dentists on board, to, to everything that of interest to seniors.
1: So do you assign projects to your writers, or do they come to you with ideas?
2: Yes, I assign them projects. It's like herding cats. I will ask them to do an article on picking blueberries in New Jersey, and they will send me an article on walking the Appalachian Trail. Of course. Oh, so, so but it all works because maybe the Appalachian Trail doesn't work for the holiday issue, but it will work for the spring issue, so it all works out.
1: Uh, you are very present in the magazine with the the very first piece from the desk column that you do. Uh, So do you find yourself beating yourself up to come up with ideas? What am I going to write about this month or what do you do?
2: Yes, often, yes, but eventually it will come. You try to figure out, okay, what season are we? Okay, we're approaching the holiday season. Okay, let's do something holiday-ish. And um, right now our goal is... To leave out the words pandemic and COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. We do not
2: want to express that. We're, we're not in denial, but we don't need to keep pounding that into people. So we're, we're very careful with using those words. Yeah, we're yeah.
1: wrestling with that same stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, you also
1: uh, write young adult books. When yes, did, I did. When did yeah. that start? And what was that all about?
2: Well, that actually started before the magazine, and I have nine right now in print. I'd sent them to the various publishers um, that handle young adult books. Um, They took forever to respond. Like Scholastic Books held one of my books for three years. I don't think they know how old I am. You
1: should have used smaller words with them, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't have taken three years. (laughs) <laughs> that,
2: would, that would do it. But so finally, I just published them myself. But um, I did them before I started the magazine. And I got a little disgusted with with the reception I was getting with the young adult books. So I published them myself, then opened it and started the magazine.
1: And uh, you mentioned that they were, tend to be history or historical yes, they, in nature. they lean
2: towards, yes, young adults in, in uh, today's world don't seem to know an awful lot about American history. They're strong in diversity. They're weak on geography and American history.
1: Hmm. Isn't that sad? Yeah, history doesn't seem to be taught very well on the high school level.
2: Yeah. So let me. When you're writing,
1: do Mm -hmm. do you need to close the door? Do you need to leave town? Or how do you uh, get the uh, the isolation you need as a writer?
2: I don't always need the isolation. Sometimes I'm okay. When I write the kids' books, I prefer to be uh, quiet and alone. But when I do the magazine, it's in the middle of chaos often. And um, I, I do things online while I'm writing it course, I need to do um, fact-checking and things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm okay. It's it's my, It's just my husband and myself now in the house, in a big house with no kids, so...
1: They're quiet corners. Uh, okay, so you can go to, <laughs> go to opposite ends of the house, huh?
2: Yes, yes, and he goes bike riding. Ah, so, that then works. Yeah.
1: What, well, do you have to nudge him and say, isn't it time for a bike ride, or do you have to? <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Tecla, you know, I'm
0: curious, because we face the same questions ourselves regarding our listenership, and in your case, your readership. Do they provide you with kind of a focus? What what do they seem to be most interested in getting more information about?
2: Interestingly, the articles, which I try to get through to the writers, it has to focus on the reader. The reader wants to know what's in it for me. Yeah. They don't want to hear about the writer. The writer grew up in such and such, and it, it, it gets like reminiscence. We don't do any of that. The reader wants to walk away with something he didn't know before. This is a tough group because they've all done it, seen it, heard it, been there. So try to find something they don't know about or try to elaborate on something they're interested in. Um, and it's across the board. They, they enjoy the nutrition. They enjoy the lawyer. They enjoy dear Vicki at the end. They enjoy how can we um, save the bay? Um, one lady said, I treat it like a box of chocolates <laughs> one at a time. She just <laughs> loves this magazine and so she'll take it slowly Rather than sitting down, which you can't do. You can't sit down and read it in one
1: sitting. Right. Like and, the- and looking at it, you can just pick it up for five or ten minutes. Yes. And, and get yes. something and then set it down again. Yes. Uh, and hopefully yeah. you remember where you set it down.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's a <the> problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um,
1: you know, in your very first column, you mentioned – That you were curious about what people our age want to do with their time, energy, and curiosity. Great phrase. So what would you suggest people our age do with our time, energy, and curiosity?
2: Well, to start with give back and uh, find different ways where you can give back or share what you know or um, find ways to help, find ways to volunteer. We've earned where we are. <laughs> My husband was a military person for probably 30 years and a government person for 30 years. But that's combined. He did both of them at the same time. And um, he deserves his time off now. But in return, he also gives back and tries to help and do whatever he can.
1: Yeah, That seems to happen a lot for people our age. I know a lot of our friends are involved uh, in some kind of volunteer work. It uh, it just brings some spice and energy to your life. So, what's your next challenge? You did this magazine for (laughs) fourteen years. What's next?
2: I'm actually thinking of selling the magazine to get someone younger at the helm. The magazine should be regionalized, not franchised, but regionalized Mm. because it it's so important. And and we are the I think we're the fastest growing group in America. Mm. This age group is the fastest growing. And um, so we need to talk to these people more. And uh, if I can pass this magazine on to who's ever next, I'd like to then focus on the children's books that I'm writing. I still have about maybe 10 that are in the file.
1: So if someone came up to you and said, you know, I'm thinking of starting a magazine, what would you tell them?
2: It doesn't start out profitably. It, It just doesn't. It takes a while. We print 18,000 copies per issue. Of those 18,000, 13,000 are mailed to targeted households. That means by age, by income, by home value.
1: Well, yeah. congratulations on avoiding a profit. Jim and I have that same issue going on.
2: But you're, you're comfortable, you're happy, there's food on the table. But more do we need?
0: <laughs> For more information about Tecla's magazine, visit Outlook by the Bay com like what you've been hearing how about sharing the joy with your friends we can always use more listeners
1: all our episodes are available on our website www.olddogspodcast.com and there are a lot more episodes on the way so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon